Well, this morning, I want to continue what I was preaching on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be addressing the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. We're in a season where God is restoring a Christ-centered theology of the Holy Spirit. I've called this a Christocentric pneumatology. This is where we're focused on Jesus all the long while that we're talking on the ins and outs of the Holy Spirit. Last time I preached on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, and if you didn't listen to that, I would really highly suggest listening to the podcast because it gives you a theological framework from which I'm building upon. But we did look at how one of the greatest problems that I see in the church today is that there's a misunderstanding and a nervousness when talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, last week or two weeks ago, we went into an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is like, what his nature is like, and what he's involved in. And just as Jesus had the Spirit without measure, we are in union with Jesus. And this same limitless supply of God is accessed through our union with him. As the Spirit has made your very body his dwelling place, we too have the Spirit without measure. There is not a fun-sized snicker version of God living within you. It's not like you get a skittle when you give your yes and raise your hand to Jesus. Skittle one for now. Next week, you grow in maturity. Skittle two. It doesn't work that way. You are made a completely new creation when you give your yes to Jesus. And so today, I want to expand on this and really emphasize the importance of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Did you know that there is a constant, effortless supply of the oil of the Holy Spirit surging through your life? Whether you feel it or not, that's the truth. I didn't come um, by, by being, it didn't come by being the most spiritual person at church. It didn't come by fasting or praying for more. It didn't come by putting a whole lot of theological work into it or striving. Even though those spiritual disciplines are good and great to do, and there are elements of maturity that take place as we do that, that is not how we get the Holy Spirit into our lives. The fullness of the Spirit isn't within you by human effort. The person of the Holy Spirit is a gift to you without measure, because Jesus was nailed to a tree 2,000 years ago. The name Christ literally means anointed one. And as that is unpacked, anointed means smeared. So Jesus is the one who was smeared, smeared with the glorious oil of God, having the spirit without measure and with limitless supply. And as Jesus died on the cross, a mystical transaction took place. You died with him. And you rose with him into new life. We are called new creations. Now I'm speaking to those that have decided to follow Jesus and have said, yes, I choose to believe in Jesus as Lord, as my savior. I recognize that I am sinful and that death is just going to be the path of destruction unless I reach out to my God and look to him as Lord. That's what I'm talking about. So this teaching is for those that have given their lives to follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life. If you've not done that, if you're not quite ready to do that, 
gosh, he is right there to meet you on your journey and on your path. And he's, he's so excited to meet you right where you're at. But you might feel a little bit today as I'm talking through this, like you're missing out. That's because you are. <laughs> it's a really, really good life in Jesus. So just, just listen today. Just listen. You're like, I'm a little bit of an outsider. I'm not, I'm not one of those sheep of Jesus yet. But man, that does sound really good, Pastor. So just listen in. We are called new creations. We are a new breed. As much as I love living in the U.S. and love living in L.A., we are now called citizens of heaven. I love how Galatians 2.20 in the distilled version by Benjamin Publishers puts it, I consider myself, myself as having died and now enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Thanks to Jesus' work on the cross, we have such a limitless supply of God and access to him that nothing is now impossible. Mark 9 tells us everything is possible for one who believes. And that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. And as we simply believe and yield to him in our lives, that is the condition that he's asking to be able to move and operate and flow from within you. It's when we believe. And when we do, here's the promise. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're like, so Jesus is talking to his followers and they have seen him heal blind eyes. They've seen money appear out of a fish's mouth. They have seen fish so full of a net that it's almost sinking a boat miraculously. They've seen food multiply. They've seen the dead raised. And here, the Messiah, the God that they have chosen to follow is saying, you can do these works because I go to the Father. You can do this because I go to the Father. But he didn't stop there. He said, and greater works than these you can do because I go to the Father. We in our Peabody little brains cannot comprehend what this looks like. It takes the illumination of the Spirit to stir up a supernatural faith within us to believe as Jesus believed. It's because I go to the Father. But greater works? How is that possible? Jesus chose to, to clarify it in this statement in John 14, 16. Here's, here's how it will happen. I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Can you even right now feel that, that movement of the Holy Spirit as I say that? But the reason being is that Jesus is going to the Father. He's, he's speaking of the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. So now we have the Spirit of God not only resting with his people, but choosing to live within his people. John 14, verse 16. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You know, his disciples were following, them, following him. They'd given everything. I believe this man is the Messiah. I will follow him. But even before their faith was completely rattled by seeing this Messiah king nailed to a cross and buried, these are the words spoken by Jesus, knowing that there's that place of being unsettled, knowing there's that place of being uncomfortable, and saying, hey, I'm not gonna, I am, I am one person here on the earth, fully God, fully man, but when I leave, you're gonna be okay. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will come to you. We are not orphaned. The exact opposite, we are now children of God. And we've been given the very DNA of God's spiritual seed his word that is now inside of your very being. And we aren't just jars filled with water. We are in union with him, infused with his very essence. It's being yoked together with him, the yoke of mysterious union, mystical union. Though this is kind of a, ch a childish portrayal you think of a, a cucumber. It was just a pickle before, right? But when you submerge it, immerse it into the vinegar, it becomes a pickle. The language used in several scriptures here with union is the same word for pickled. Have you been united with God? You can't unpickle a pickle. Vlasic. You didn't somehow get enough gold stars of your good behavior to earn your father's DNA. It's who you are. We didn't do anything to earn the Holy Spirit. Life in Jesus isn't a life of performance. It's a completely new existence found in God. An entirely new world, a new kingdom that isn't about doing, but about being. In the Old Testament, when the Lord would raise up a prophet or a leader at the time, it almost always says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon the individual. So if you're looking at Elijah or Elisha or Isaiah, any of these prophets that were speaking the word of the Lord, it was the Holy Spirit would descend upon an individual to give the pure word of the Lord that he had for the nation of Israel because he wanted to, to, to show the people 
that, that this was the supreme word of the Lord, and he would do so through miracles and signs. Yet we have the contrast of the new covenant where there is an indwelling presence of the Spirit. God isn't swooping down for an occasional visit. He chose to indwell and to inhabit the sons and daughters of God. We are temples in which he dwells. In the Old Testament, there's only three examples of where the language of the he- in the Hebrew describes that men were filled with the Holy Spirit. Usually the language is rested upon or the, the Spirit came upon these men or women. Number one, where they were filled, is Joshua. He was filled with the spirit of might when Moses laid hands on him. Secondly, and this is, this is a part I really want to hammer home. This is interesting. When, when the Lord ch- chose to come in all of human history before Christ, he did so with Joshua. That makes sense. One of the greatest leaders of all time. But look at who he chose to fill by the Holy Spirit. It was the artisans of the tabernacle who were the ones in charge of building the lampstand. Two individuals were in charge of building the lampstand. Creatives, artists, the Holy Spirit filled them for this task. Exodus 35, 31. I have filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, knowledge in all kinds of crafts. He has filled them with skill to do all kind of work as craftsmen. This was no doubt a prophetic shadow of what was to come. The golden lampstand found in the tabernacle and the temple is full of symbolism. But in short, the symbol symbol of this is the church and the Holy Spirit resting upon or filling the church with his fire and with his presence. In In those days, the seven oil lamps were placed on top of the lampstand. In the days of Moses, they would take... You know, you guys have seen Aladdin. You know the little, little lamps? Now just make it a little smaller and probably made out of clay. And they would, they would fill it every single day because it would burn, but it would need replenishment. So this would be part of the priestly duty to maintain the oil, but it would burn from on top. Arresting. And this was a symbol of God's presence resting on his people. And with the nation of Israel, what did God do time and time again? He would rest upon his people with his presence, with his fire. Yet the prophet Zechariah saw the Lord give him a unique vision of a new lampstand, a lampstand that was to come. Zechariah saw seven channels now flowing to the oil lamps. Rather than a limited supply of oil that would need a daily replenishment, The symbol of the New Testament church is one where the supply of oil never runs dry. Zechariah saw two olive trees in the vision producing oil that would drip down into a bowl-like receptacle that would pour continuously into the pipes. This revelation of the Holy Spirit as the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne is the spirit that burns through the life of the believer and the life of the church. 
with a limitless supply of his presence of oil that pours forth from your inner man. We have an inward drawing from God's spirit as our life source, the lampstand that always has enough oil. Yes, the fire of God rests upon us. We love when God comes in unusual ways, where we're just going about our our daily offering before the Lord, and he comes in a still small voice that comes with like a kabod glory in the room. Or how sometimes when we're singing, do you just feel elevated in a supernatural, like you feel like you can't contain it because you know you're so connected with heaven. There's all sorts of ways that the Holy Spirit loves to come and rest upon his people. But the revelation that I really want to nail home is this inward movement of the Holy Spirit. We crave the divine move of God that comes in unique settings. I want us to be a people that hunger and thirst for the more, where we don't become complacent. Oh, yeah, I go to all the meetings, I go to the groups. I try to do all the good things. I do my daily devotions. And I, I want to speak today because whether I'm not putting you at fault and I'm not trying to judge or try to bring a burden. What I actually want to do is stir up a hunger and stir up a faith in our lives. And some of you are blazing. You're full of passion. You're ready to go. And some of you have been in that spot, but in this season, you've just kind of I want to be in that place. I'm just not there right now. And some of you can barely get your head off the pillow in the morning. You're like, this guy's talking about divine moves of God. I'm just trying to get through my day. But this is the stirring of the spirit in the house right now. He wants to bring a fresh wind of hope into this place. Some of you have believed, yeah, I used to just, greater works than these will do. Let's go. Take me to the grocery store. I'll pray for the guy with the broken knee. You know, some of you have, have been through that season and maybe now you're like, I prayed for too many guys with broken knees and they didn't get healed. So I I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to take a back seat for a little while. God's going to, God's going to use me in other ways. I'm sure because we face disappointment in our lives. But what I felt like the Lord was doing today is aligning us to his eternal truth, not basing our theology off of our feelings or what we've experienced, but by what the eternal word of truth says about who we are. It's time to raise the standard in our lives, to get us out of a place of complacency, to get us out of a place of being powerless believers. If we believe the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and he made you his dwelling place, why are you not seeing more take place to your life? There's a holy frustration that I think is good as we're trying to sort through the truth of the word. The olive tree producing oil that dripped down for a continuous flow of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit longs to bubble up from within you not just from the outside, but it's the beauty of our interior union. 
Because God now lives within individuals who make up the church, he longs to endlessly flow through the new covenant church. We don't have to wait for another divine external fill-up. We get to tap into the endless supply of the riches of his grace and great love even right now. We are attached to the vine. Have you thought about that? Did you ever get detached? You are attached to the vine. Let his life surge through you. We are not a small little kid's cup that quickly runs dry. We don't have time for dry seasons. Maybe get the revelation that we live under the waterfall of God himself. Let his rivers flow from your inmost being. John 7, 38 tells us, he who believes in Jesus, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the promise. That's the word. If you believe in Jesus, scripture tells us, rivers will flow from your inmost being. There's a man named John Crowder who I've been reading some of his books and a lot of this is is, uh, just inspired by him. And he says, I love this. He's talking about who believers really are. And I feel like there's a bit of a shaking that's, that's good right now. You know, an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable shaking within us to, to really to have a fresh perspective of who we really are. He says, believers are open doors through which heaven ceaselessly gushes in abundance. You have what the Latin Vulgate calls a torrent of his pleasure pouring from your inner man, enabling you to be um, inebriated on the plenty of his house. He's referring to Psalm 35, 9 inebriated on the plenty of his house. In charismatic circles, we love to to use language like, I'm drunk in the spirit. You are inebriated on the plenty of his house. You are tapping into eternal reservoirs of this golden oil. With Christ in you, you are a source of oil on the earth. And with the psalmist David, you can truly claim Psalm 52.8, I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. In Matthew 11.11, Jesus states that there's no person in history up to that point that's greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the one that prepared the way for the ministry of Christ. The one that leapt within his mother's womb when there was a recognition of the Messiah in Mary's womb. But Jesus also said that the very least in the kingdom of of heaven is greater than John. The very least in the kingdom is greater than John. Did you know that the simplest believer is greater than John the Baptist? Why is that? Because through our faith in Christ, the Spirit comes to permanently dwell. Permanently and completely. It's by entering Christ that we've entered the kingdom. 
Jesus was not talking about entering a future heaven in the sky. He was talking about the least of all believers who are in him are greater than the best of the best who are under the law. Another vital element of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is the power of the cross. When Jesus willingly laid down his his life as a ransom, when the perfect spotless lamb of God was nailed to the tree, the purpose was absolutely to save us from sin and death, to provide forgiveness from sin and the penalty of death. But he didn't just come to take something bad away. He came to fill you with something very, very good. We weren't just emptied from evil, but the goal was to fill you. He came to fill you with himself. The work of the cross was necessary to eradicate our sin, to free us from sin and death, but the purpose was to make you a temple of his glory. Calvary is so much more than a stepping stone into a spirit-filled life. Calvary is both the foundation and the capstone to a life in the spirit. Calvary is the open door by which we access the heavens, and it's the place where heaven is sourced and operating through. It's the place where we drink and we are satisfied, where we eat and we are full. A true revelation of the cross brings otherworldly joy and peace into our lives. It's called the bliss of the cross. Bliss, even in many dictionaries, is defined as the joyful, the joyful ecstasy of our salvation. Did you know that the simplest form of bliss means that it's the joyful ecstasy of our salvation? Are you experiencing bliss in your relationship with the Lord? A true revelation of the cross allows us to live in the glorious mystical union that exists between us and our God, the place where deepening connection, rich, secured identity, and purpose all flow from. It's the place where we see Jesus as he really is, and the loving nature of the Father is revealed and experienced. On the cross, Your old sinful nature was once and for all cut away, eradicated, and you were brought into a new nature where we experience dimensions of God's incredible transformative power and complete complete communion with him everlasting. So the question that I feel ringing in our ears is, are we placing a lack on our own beliefs? a lack by our own beliefs. Where in our lives do we read these portions of scripture and we don't even know how to apply it to our lives because we're so disconnected by our beliefs? Where do we read these scriptures and hear these promises of God, but we've built up some walls because of disappointment and hopelessness? That's right. Amen. There we go. Where have we grown numb or disappointed? I'm preaching this because maybe in the midst of your struggle, your struggle to believe 
And I know many of you are struggling to have an experience with him. So many of you I meet with, and you love the ways that God's moving, but you just want a richer experience with God, which I, th- I think is a worthy hunger in your life. It's the Holy Spirit that partners with us and allows the renewal of the mind take place. It's where we get to see and believe and we'll begin to see the manifest glory take place in greater measures. We will see the greater works. Do we believe that all of heaven is longing to flow from our lives? Luke 17, 21 tells us that the kingdom of heaven is within you. But what happens when we align our beliefs and we begin to abide in his presence? When we begin to align with truth, when our minds have been renewed, when we partner with our belief, when when we give our yieldedness before him, That is the place where the power of God is realized. Relationships that seemed impossible begin to have a maturing of the power of God bringing restoration. It's in that place of his presence that sickness starts to bow to the name of Jesus. And we can see the authority of God take supreme measure over every work of darkness. It's the place where we see true transformation and lives restored. The fruit is endless as we abide in the vine. Do we believe that where we go, every step, every week, every season of our lives, that God's abundance of oil and favor pours from within you? It's not a place of arrogance to say that. Because if you've actually done life with the Lord, you can't help but fall on your face before him in humility. And you know it's not by your own efforts and your own doing, but it's by his grace activated within you. But when he fills you up, look at the life of Peter. Do you remember when he denied Jesus? The shame that must have taken him, taken over him? I I chose to give my entire life to follow this, this man. But in the middle of the chaos and the fear, a couple times, I denied him. But look at what the power of the Holy Spirit does in someone's life. You flip a few pages through the Gospels and enter the book of Acts. And you see this same man that was cowering in fear just a couple months prior, is now filled with the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit, filling stadiums, speaking out the life and power of the risen King of glory. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He doesn't let us just stay there in our brokenness and in our shame, but he picks us up and fills us and aligns us with his power, with his boldness, and with the faith of Jesus. And so it's time to be a church that just like Catherine is giving your yes to go three months overseas, 
Some of you giving your yes to sign another year in LA where it's just wearing you down, but you just have a small sense. I think this is where God has me. It's lives that choose to not fully understand, but to follow. We're going to have a time of communion. Shonda, if you want to come up and play for us here. On the back coffee table, we've got communion set up. We're just going to take a couple minutes and reflect upon this. That though I'm preaching from the word, that you would have a divine moment where you can connect with God by taking the bread and the wine and reflect upon what Jesus has paid for by his death and how it changed the course of history. Let's take a couple minutes whenever you're ready to go and you can take in your own time back at your seats. Jesus, we take time right now to connect with you and from a place of thanksgiving and humility, we look upon the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for being the perfect spotless lamb that was slain. The savior of the world, the one that freely laid down his own life as a ransom for us. And even right now, God, we're reflecting on the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And we ask that even as we take communion and reflect upon the cross, we're also asking for a fresh revelation of the indwelling presence of your Spirit. We love when you come and move and we, we sing it out to rest on us. We, we love when the fire comes. But God, you've made a way for us to have your very spirit with us at all times. And let us become aware. Let us become connected at that much of a greater level. And so as we look to your, your body, God, that was broken for us, we take this bread in remembrance of you and give thanks for your perfect body. And I, I just wanna to add to that if there's any of you that have sickness right now in your life, think about the stripes of Jesus's back. It's by his stripes we are healed. And so we take this and remember your sacrifice, God, and receive every blessing of a new life in Jesus' name. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us, the cleansing flow, the redemption that poured forth and we reflect and think about the new wine of the Holy Spirit that is poured forth. We think about Jesus who made the water into wine at the wedding. That was no mistake that it was at a wedding. 
and that this, this church, your bride, will drink of your blood and drink of your wine. We thank you, God, that we have so many reasons to be grateful and thankful. And sometimes we're living this life and we, we, we get off the path and we, we settle and we make decisions out of our own will. But right now, by the power of the blood of Jesus, we wanna align to the cross, align to our true purpose and destiny, align to what Jesus calls us, align to the will of the Father. And so we repent and turn once again to you, away from anything that the world has to offer, because it's less than, but we turn to you in trust and we drink this wine as a remembrance of your blood that poured forth. Would you guys go ahead and stand up with me? Go ahead and, and put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you or grab their hand or just felt like a sense of unity together. We just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that this revelation of the indwelling of your spirit would be so activated within us. Lead us onward in this truth, God. Activate that in this church family and throughout Los Angeles. And we thank you, God, that you, I just see the shift. I saw a calendar page rip off into a new week and it's saying, this is a new week where we're gonna have our antennas up. <laughs> this is a new week where we're, we're, we're paying attention. We're, we're not silencing, God's trying to speak. We're not silencing it through all the ways and means that we've grown accustomed to, but we're choosing to pause and to wait upon the Lord and to listen to you here and now. This is a new week where we're back to a place of abiding with you. No matter what the past weeks have looked like, come back to a place of abiding. Come back to the place of abiding. Come back to the place of abiding. So I call that forth upon this community that we would be a people individually and together set aflame, that rivers of living water would flow from within us, that together, if that much can be accomplished through one person, what does it look like as a company of people live with this awareness, this revelation, and this kind of faith? So I bless it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's thank the Lord together.